I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. And I'm all out of bubblegum. Red alert. All hands stand to battle stations. Luck as foils attack positions. Prepare for battle! Autobots, roll out! Get ready, it's your weekly dose of nerd culture. All wings report in. With your crew, Obi-John Kenobi. Hello there. Commander Scott. Amazing about it, I know this ship like the back of my hand. Julian. You tell him I'm coming, and hell's coming with me, you hear? And the Doc. Great Scott. Movies, TV, streaming, video games, comic books, board games, toys, collectibles, cosplay, conventions. If it's happening in the world of geekdom, we're talking about it. So lock and load, bag and board, and roll for initiative. We've got your... Nerd Alert! That's right. Raise shields and man your battle stations. It's a Nerd Alert! Welcome to the first ever episode of the same old show. <laughs> this is Nerd Alert. I am your host, Obi-John Kenobi, your favorite host in all of podcastum, And here to help me kick off our inaugural episode of this new format, well, new title, same format. Uh, we're sort of like Joe Bob Briggs. We're going to keep doing the same show. We're just going to call it something different. Because if it ain't broke, don't fix it. So with me uh, on Nerd Alert, part of the Talk Nerdy to Me podcast network, the man who keeps the nerd in Talk Nerdy to Me, Commander Scott. Greetings and felicitations. One and all. Speaking of felicitations, one of my favorite Uh-oh. words. I love it. It is one of my one of my greatest words. It is actually. It is a lot of people think it's it's somewhat synonymous with salutations. Mm-hmm. You know where you're you're saluting somebody, but it is not. It is ostensibly synonymous with congratulations. So when you are offering somebody felicitations, it means you are congratulating them on finding you or coming to where they're at making their journey arriving however you want to say it so felicitations to one and all for finding us even after the name change so essentially what you're saying is hey you found me yeah basically yeah i like it i can dig it (laughs) uh well uh like i said same old show a new name we are now officially nerd alert and I will someday get used to saying that without having to think about it. Uh, it's been quite a few years gone by the other show. But we are now part of the, what was Talk Nerdy To Me is now the Talk Nerdy To Me podcast network. Us, uh, um, Friends of Benefits, and there'll be some other shows down the road. Um, occasional episodes, maybe not as weekly like we do this. Um, but you might see some appearances of Park Hopping with me and um, Captain Chris potential we might bring back some old stuff like um pitch me or i'd watch that uh with me and the doc uh so that's that's what all the changes are going around really we're just changing the names and kind of uh uh, reclassifying some stuff it's the same hosts it's the same great content the show like i said is basically gonna be the same thing we're calling it something different but it's gonna be myself commander scott the doc julian or some combination thereof of the four uh because even though we have four hosts i don't think all four of us have ever actually been on a show together um we'll be here if it's happening in the world of geek culture we'll be talking about it and that's basically what the show is uh hopefully we'll be informative uh hopefully our opinions will be uh, entertaining 
um, that's it. So, less said the better. Let's get intros out of the way. Dive into our first topic. So, uh, hang, hang on. Great yes. content. Great content. Is that what we're going with? We're, we're going with great content here. Mediocre I was really content. Middling I was, content. I was shooting for mediocre. That's okay. Okay. That's kind of why I aim. We're going to aim for fantastic and see where we fall. Oh, hell. We're going to shoot for the Avengers. And we, we, we might make it to the uh, West Coast Avengers. No, no, you're no, right. no, 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 no. Uh, go Great Lakes Great Avengers Lakes is Avengers where we might end up. We, we, we want to be the Avengers. Justice League. <laughs> we might end up Justice League Detroit. But we're still oh. the Justice League, so there's a deep cut for you comic book nerds. So hard, so hard. <laughs> Speaking of superhero teams, our first topic this week. Uh, Scott, you and myself both spent some time this past weekend playing the beta for Square Enix's brand new Marvel's The Avengers game, uh, which officially comes out September 4th, I think. I think so. Yeah, yeah. Uh, for great. PS4, Xbox One, I think it's on Switch. I could be making that up. Uh, it's on PS4. I didn't look past that because I don't know anything about a PS4. Uh, but you can look it up. You got the internet. That's how you found the show. <laughs> but <laughs> starting last weekend and continuing the next, I believe, two weekends, uh, there is a free-to-play beta version of the game for anyone who wants to jump in and try it out and see what it's about before you decide to plop down your hard-earned cash for it. I believe this past weekend was the pre-order bonus. I believe starting this coming weekend, it's the open to anyone with a uh, Square Enix account, which you just have to go make up an account. Uh, but that being said, we spent several hours playing it, and we are going to break down what we liked, what we didn't like, what we hope stays the same, what we hope might be tweaked a bit before the game officially drops in a few weeks. That being said, Commander Scott, what did you think about the game, or what we played of it? Well, I, I think the game really lives up to its uh, working title, which is uh, the Avengers beat up hordes of generic robots. Yep. Uh, <laughs> Uh, overall, the gameplay is not bad at all. Uh, it's pretty, uh, I, I thought, typical of its genre. I've, I've not played a lot of these these types of games, but uh, everything was fluid and and um, uh, the controls were somewhat intu- intuitive. Um, I kept doing other things when I wanted to run, though, because I think they they did they they did something wonky with one of the the normal run buttons, but that okay. was okay. Um, I did like the characters. I like the fact that that all the characters had the same range of attacks and abilities, but they were all very flavored to them. Yeah, and that's uh, a game like this where a part of the draw is going to be eventually there's going to be a very, very deep bench of characters to play as. Uh, that's their long-term goal for keeping people interested in the game. Uh, in fact, we, we know at launch you'll be able to play as Hulk, Thor, Cap, Black Widow, uh, and uh, Ms. Marvel, the current Ms. Marvel, Kamala Khan. Uh, oh, Iron Man. I think, Iron yeah. Man. Actually, uh, so, we haven't confirmed, though, that Cap is going to be playable past the A-Day intro, though. We'll get to that. We'll okay. get to that. Uh, trust me, we'll get to that. <laughs> but okay. those, that's your core team. And then I believe about a month after that, um, they're going to start launching free DLC characters. The first one we know will be Hawkeye. And if you're a PlayStation owner, you'll be able to play as Spider-Man at some point. Um, some data hackers got into the beta and when started tearing through the code and apparently discovered code for Kate Bishop Hawkeye and She-Hulk. Um, 
which makes sense because essentially it's just a palette swap for characters that you know you already have a move set for Hulk and a move set for Hawkeye. You just make a different character model for him, um, do some new voice rec- uh, recording. So I, I believe both of those are plausible. They'd be pretty easy. You know, the the, uh, the video game equivalent of an action figure head swap. You know, just use the same body, put a new head on it. Yay, um, the Prince of Thieves line. Yeah. <laughs> we need to do a topic or do that as a topic. <laughs> Laziest toy lines. Um, but yeah, so lots of characters coming down the road. And my, my point before I got off on the sidetrack was in a game like this where part of your draw is, hey, look at all the characters you can play. It's good to know that no matter what character I jump into, this button is my fast attack. This is my strong attack. This is my ranged attack. Um even though the flair for each character, you know, Iron Man's fast attack isn't going to be the same as like Black Widow's fast attack, which won't be, you know, they're all different, but your controller layout, you know, logistically, I can jump into any character and know that, you know, I might not know exactly what Hulk's strong attack is, but I know if I hit triangle, it'll do the strong attack. Yeah, I, I don't have to, I don't have to relearn uh, different control mappings for, for different exactly. people. And, and it, it really worked. And even though everybody did have the same, uh, range of options to them. Mm-hmm. I still like when I was playing Iron Man. I felt like I was playing Iron Man. Um, when I when I played Cap, I felt like I was playing Cap. Thor, Thor. When I played Miss Marvel, I felt like I was playing Spider Man. Reed Richards. But anyway, that's you know. you're not wrong. <laughs> uh, yeah, everyone has stuff that fits within within the realm of yes, this character would do that, and yes, that that you know fits for this character. Uh, but yeah, so on my plus side, the gameplay was fun. Uh, the combat is satisfying. It's one of those you can pick it up in five minutes. Uh, you might not master it, but you'll know. You know, smash the square and, and triangle buttons, and you'll beat up the the robots. Um, but there's enough complexity there that if you're going to play this for hours and hours and hours, there's skill trees to unlock for everybody. There's equipment. Uh, you know, the whole loot system, which I'll get into a little bit. There's there's there. There's plenty to to entice you to keep playing until once you find that hero you like to really level them out and sort of customize them for you. Even in the beta, there, there's lots of upgrades for you know leveling up your character and then uh, changing out your gear. Um, I like the idea of the loot system, uh, something that they've straight up jacked from RPGs. Uh, when you beat up bad guys or find crates, you get different gear for your characters that don't necessarily have any cosmetic changes, but they might boost certain abilities. Uh, well, that's a cool thing- idea. One thing that I felt as I was playing the game was it it felt like uh, a bit of a light version of uh, Destiny. Destiny? Is that the name of the game? Yeah, Destiny. The first-person shooter? Yeah. Yeah. It felt like a light version of that because, I mean, it's got the... It's got the the world map, you know, where you choose your mission and which zone you want to go to and, and places to, to go explore and you'll revisit the same areas several times. So it, it, I think if you're a if you're a Destiny fan and like that style of loot grinding and collecting RPG uh, and level up uh, and you're an Avengers comic fan, then this, this game will be right in your alley. Yeah, that's that comparison is very apt. Um Destiny is what they refer to as gaming as a service, meaning it's not just supposed to be a one and done game. You pick it up, play it for 12 hours and you're done with it. Uh, It's a game where they're constantly coming out with new content, new expansions, new characters, new gear, new locations. It's a game as a service. And that is absolutely the model Square Enix is trying to follow for Avengers. So hit the nail on the head there, Scott. The the loot system, um, again, in theory, I like it. 
uh, where you pick up different items and that you know changes stats and things for your characters. It's a great way to again make it feel like you know, anybody can play Black Widow, but this is my Black Widow. Like I've got her loaded out the way I you know I like to play the character. Um, my only complaint, and I get it from a logistical standpoint, when I equip new gear, I want to see new gear. Uh, mm. at least in the beta, there's no difference cosmetically when you equip different gear, it just changes your stats. And again, from a logistical point, I get that it's less cool than actually having an impact and changing the look of your character. Because if you're going to customize it, if the whole idea is to make each character your version of that character, you know, your Iron Man is your Iron Man, that I feel like that that should be incorporated. And I, I'm sure it's a, you know, a lot to program, but. It's awesome. One of the few comparisons I'll make to the distinguished competition in Injustice 2, which is a fighting game, they introduced a loot drop system, which was interesting because fighting games typically don't have a loot drop system. But they use that basically in place of um, costumes like, you know, Mortal Kombat. You've got different costumes for people you can unlock, things like that. Injustice, they had a loot drop system where when you equip new items to your character, it changes their physical appearance. So you can tweak and customize and load out your version of that character, which is going to look different from anyone else's version of that character. Because, you know, and then they introduce all kinds of, you know, uh, ways to go in and, and change the color and look of certain, you know, if you like the stats of an item, but want it to look like another item, you can go in and, and do that. Uh, so you can really customize that character. And that was a level of, of detail I never expected a fighting game to have, but it was really cool. I would love to see that carry over into Avengers, where if you, if you do, don't don't tell me I can make my version of a character, if it's still going to look the same as everybody else's, it's just going to have different gear equipped. Like I get it, but go that extra mile. Um, that's one big critique for. And again, this might just be a beta thing. I don't know, but mm. I feel if you give me, you know, like I got a new uh, new wrist shooters for Black Widow, and I equip them in nothing changed like their stats changed a bit but the actual character model still looks the same and for yeah, me it's I, always exciting yeah I, I i can agree with that I, I i like being able to get new gear and see new gear uh of course i'm i'm curious how that would work with hulk would you have one gray arm one green arm <laughs> you know red hulk head uh you know uh, i'll give him credit where credit's due i was playing hulk for a while um, and I hadn't played with the gear system yet, and I went into to tweak him. I think I had to change the skin out because I unlocked a different skin for him. Uh, I was like, "What's all this stuff here?" Because when you go into Hulk's gear, it doesn't show you like you know you go to Black Widow and it's got like her vest, her belt, her wrist gauntlets, all that stuff on there. You go to Hulk. And it's his biceps, the bones <laughs> in his hands, his feet, because like, he doesn't. Yeah, it's Hulk. It's Hulk. Um, now, so one, thing, him... one thing they did do for Hulk, though, is a lot of his his gear upgrades uh, has something to do with nanites in him, right? I didn't pay that much attention. I think I read something about nanites in the description of uh, something for Hulk that that I that got makes sense. Point. But yeah, it was augmenting him. And they they <laughs> the skins for him are a lot of. It's a different shade of green and a different shade of purple. And here, he, here's you know we're gonna have like Rainbow Hulk, you know, Green Hulk, Blue Hulk, Red Hulk, Magenta Hulk. Uh, we're gonna get a lot of that. I'm cool with it. Uh, I did get one 
skin unlock before we stopped playing that was it was like dark gray hulk with what looked like a skeleton war paint over his chest and arms i was like i don't know what this is from but it looks badass um yeah i saw that i I didn't see that one i saw another gray hulk that was available uh on on there but it didn't look like joe fix it though no i think it was the uh, the street thug hulk wasn't it yeah he didn't have the suit or anything um i i mostly played iron man uh, and and I got I'm still a little confused how the actual combat card system is going to work because I got quite a bit of upgrades and skins through that. But mm-hmm. I just purchased them with with all the, the purchase currency they give you for the beta. Um, but one thing I I didn't care for with with the Iron Man skins that we had in this one. So they had they had you got the one that you come with, of course, the one for mm-hmm. the game. But then one of the first ones that I got was like, uh, I don't know, Mark Four, I guess you could call it, armor. The you know the suitcase armor era, uh-huh. Iron Man, and I really liked that one. That was good. But they gave us another one that looked really close to the Silver Centurion, but it's not Silver Centurion, which is my favorite. But then all the rest of them were just like the same armor model, just different color schemes. Palette swaps. Like, yeah. Yeah. Just palette swaps, just, just black and gray and orange and red. And, uh, you know, and, and mm-hmm. they called them these different things, but they didn't actually do anything different. Like, yeah, this is the electro uh, electronium plated uh, armor. Uh, okay. That that's cool. He looks Clearly like they were watching kid. Iron Man three. I love Iron Man three. Oh, deep cut. Cause all those uh-huh. are the same. They just had different color schemes. Uh, yeah. <laughs> And again, this is the beta, so I can't. We can't. Everything we say here, keep in mind, we've only played the beta. We haven't played the full game, so there may have been just an attempt to hey, just just palette swap because Widow stuff was very similar to that. Um, the, you know, it, it's a bodysuit and holsters and a belt and, and gauntlets and and lots of different yeah. color variations on that. There were a few different outfits where it was like it wasn't a bodysuit; it was like pants and a shirt. Um, so some variation in there, but also. Every character model, there's like three or four different palette swaps for that character model. So they're getting the most of their money out of that. Yeah. Uh, and that works for most of these characters. But we'll see going forward how many actual different character designs there are versus just it's a palette swap of the same thing. Yeah. Overall, I enjoyed the game. Uh, and Monday, when, when I got home from work, I I, uh, I opened the beta just out of curiosity <laughs> to see. Because uh, they can't actually stop me from opening the app, obviously. Right. Um. So I open it, and of course, it gets to the title screen, and it won't let you go any further because it can't can't contact the servers. They mm-hmm. take the servers down. But uh, I, I felt myself being a little disappointed because I couldn't I couldn't be Iron Man that afternoon, and well, that's uh, I was I was having fun being Iron Man. So, um, everything about it, 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 I'm a guy who who absolutely loved the uh, Marvel Ultimate Alliance games, mostly the first one. Uh, I was in college on that hit and me and my buddies would get together. It was one of the few games we could all play four player co-op and we could all pick our favorite Avengers and just go to town. It was lots of, lots of fond memories of playing ultimate Alliance. And this feels very much like a 2020 update of that same idea. Uh, get your friends together, pick your favorite Avenger, jump in and play. Uh, I love the addition of a storyline. Fine. Because I'm a guy who still expects my games to have a single-player campaign. Uh, and, and this feels very much like it's built around that. But they've also recognized that online is the future of gaming. And there's plenty of 
you know, there's the harm room, which is the um, simulator training room where you had different tasks and things to do in there to unlock gear. Then you basically have, I think they call them battle zones, which is once you unlock a location within the story, you can revisit that big map and it has different tasks and, and things for you and your friends to go do as missions later on. So the further, I, I imagine, the further you progress in the story, the more zones you'll open, the more you know, locations and things you'll have to do, in addition to stuff like um, daily and weekly challenges, uh, things like that to keep you enticed, to keep you coming back. Uh, it, it seems very well-rounded. If you just want to hop on and play by yourself and, and go through a couple of the story missions, you can do that. If you want to get together with some friends and play a few rounds and then you know hop off and go make dinner or whatever, you've got that option. Like It, it feels very much... You can play it for as little as long as you want, whatever kind of experience you want. They kind of got you covered. Um, and, and one thing I'm really excited about, and we talked about this a long time ago when, when the character models were first released, I'm very glad this is not MCU, the video game. I love that Square Enix is from the ground up building their own Marvel Universe. Uh, and and granted, yes, yeah, some of the suits don't look as cool as the MCU ones. Oh, well, fine. Get over it. There's going to be suits for days uh, when this game comes out. You can change it out. Plus, uh, they don't have to pay likeness rights. So, exactly. You know. <laughs> uh, but I, I like that it is a, a fresh new take on the universe. And just like with the movies, Square Enix gets to draw from decades of comic books uh, as far as the looks for the characters, the storylines they're doing. Um, in fact, the next thing I, I wanted to, to talk about was what we've seen of the storyline so far. I'm really enjoying uh, it's very much Blues Brothers Avengers edition. Uh, this big event happens. It splits the Avengers. They're disassembled. And then years later, um, Kamala Khan comes along to to reassemble the Avengers to put the band back together. And it, it feels like, anyway, that I imagine Act 1 will basically be a road trip of traveling and getting the band back together uh, before we reveal that Cap isn't really dead. Yeah, because yeah. uh, that's absolutely happening. Oh yeah, yeah, they're not going to leave him dead through the entire thing. I, they... My only question is, will that be an Act One reveal or an end of Act Two reveal? Because by I the would... end, because by the time we go to Act Three, he'll be back. No, I believe that'll be end of storyline. I don't think they're going to draw it out that long, man. I think they are, and I, I think they are because, um, uh, well, they want people to play through the entire story, obviously. But right, like you said, it's, it, it feels like it's going to be a, a play for service format. So I believe they're going to come out with uh, the expansions and the extra storylines. This will not be the only main storyline for this game. Oh, definitely there will, not. There will be further stories. So um, I don't think Cap will be revealed and playable at the end of Act 2. I think he'll be revealed and playable at some point in Act 3. So maybe midway through Act 3, I'm not sure. Then afterwards you can you can use him to just go go battle in the different zones and level him up and, and, and do all that cool stuff. But well, we will find we'll out next month. One thing we did learn, though. Yes. Uh, just to give everybody a heads up, when you are playing with your friends, which in my opinion is one of the best ways to play because I like playing with my friends. Yep. Um, when you get attacked and you're off by yourself, yelling <laughs> over here does not help. It does not tell them where you are. <laughs> well... <laughs> We had a bit of a glitch. Uh, there is uh, it, the game does a good job of minimizing the player HUD, so your screen isn't clawed with lots of like health bars and, and, and energy yes. bars and, and that kind of stuff, and 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 uh, uh, waypoints and stuff like yes. that. Yes, field of vision. That's one thing I did like about this game. 
So if you're looking around and trying to find your teammates, because again, most of the times when you play a game online, above your the the head of the figure of the of your friends is their screen name or username or something to indicate, oh, that's them. That's not the default for this game. If you hit hit up on the D-pad, it will show you the logo of where all your friends are on the map and where your next objective is, and then they'll disappear after a few seconds. Um, the glitch we had was, for some reason, Scott's indicator stopped working. <laughs> so we would we would hear him say, like, hey, there's a chest over here, or hey, there's a bunch of guys over here. And we'd hit up on the D-pad to see where he was and try to come to him, and it just had his character icon locked in the upper left corner of the screen and it would not track or move uh so that was fun yeah uh, but i think that was the only real glitch we encountered uh yeah during the gameplay at least the only one i encountered yeah i don't i don't think uh, there was there was we did have a little bit of a hiccup when we first tried to to link up in multiplayer but um, i think that was more user error because we didn't know how the possible worked uh because that was a bit weird but we got that figured out uh, but uh, the the storyline seems really cool, and again, the reason I'm not I, I'm glad we're not locked in, into the MCU timeline is is it looks like this is going to be a much you know, because of practicality a much 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 larger robust Marvel universe than the MCU because um, when you're talking about actors in a movie, all kinds of logistical things come in in the way there of, of you know why the MCU isn't as huge as it is in, in the comics or in the video game. Because we could throw characters in a video game much cheaper than we can hire an actor for multiple movies to play a character. So, aim is a big part of at least his first storyline, and that's awesome because that's one of the one of the big missed opportunities I think the MCU had was developing aim. Uh, I agree, and I think it looks like they're using him to great um, great effect here. Uh, if we don't get a Modok cameo sometime, I'll be disappointed. <laughs> uh, but I, I like that it's it's again it's Marvel. So you know all the key players, but it's a new Marvel universe. So you don't necessarily know all the details and that's fun to get to jump in and explore a new Marvel universe. Um, knowing that all your favorites are going to be there at some point. So I'm excited. I can't Even wait to get my hands elevated. You know, dude, we can hope. We can. Can we get, we a, can can we get a petition started? What's that petition site? I want, I want to which, get which character move set would best apply to four bush man. All we need then is a pallet swap. It's like we can make that happen. Uh, no, I, you never know, man. You never know. Uh, and that's, that's the fun. They're already, I'll, I'll give them square Enix credit for this too, is yes, they've got your core. If you've only ever seen the Avengers movies, if you've never read a comic, if you only know of Marvel universe from what's in the movies, they've got the characters you expect. Iron Man, Thor, Hulk, Black Widow, Cap, eventually. like They've got the big hitters. But they're also going obscure with the comic book characters. I would not have guessed Kamala Khan, Ms. Marvel would be a main roster character, but she is. Um, She-Hulk, if she comes in, which I think is a definite possibility. Like They're not just sticking to the ones in the movies. They're going deeper yeah. than that. Uh, um, and that makes me... Taskmaster is, is the first villain you fight... Even though, yes, he's supposed to be in the he's he's in the Black Widow movie, which was supposed to be out by now, um, but which isn't. But still, he's he's kind of a. I, I still put Taskmaster as a, a deep cut comic book character. Um, one thing I'm looking forward to seeing is how Spider Man moves. Yes, because uh, I made the Reed Richards Spider Man joke for for Kamala Khan because she does she has stretchy abilities like like Reed. Yep, um, and. Uh, 
so she is she's kind of a hodgepodge of other avengers abilities she she grows like giant man stuff like that but when she she moves around she she reaches out with her hand and kind of swings like spidey a little bit you know using mm-hmm. her, her stretchy abilities and uh but when you do it uh you you jump and you have to be able to grab a hold of an anchor point it's not like yep. her hand doesn't just go off screen um so i'm curious how they're going to do spidey because there's not enough anchor points throughout the city that I saw in the demo. Once again, this is a beta um, for him to web swing. So I'm curious if when you get Spidey, if there will be more anchor points for him. Just to web Widow swing. has the same ability. She has the, the grapple she fires. Grapple, and I, yeah. I would assume Hawkeye has a grapple hook arrow he'll use too. Yeah. Uh, just to help navigate and platform a bit. Um. Yeah, but that's when you're jumping from like platform to platform, and you you mm-hmm. jump and you get the little indicator on the platform. Yeah, yeah. But I'm talking about web swinging through the city. You just make things grapple points for Spidey that aren't grapple points for anybody else. Yeah, I, I, that, that's what I'm curious. Is that what they're going to do, or are they going to do something else? I'm... We will find out. And us, because we own Playstations, so all you Xbox people can suck it. <laughs> no Spidey for you. No Spidey. Um, anything else to say? I'm excited. My my biggest disappointment, uh, continued disappointment in this beta, is I only get to play Thor for about 30 seconds at the beginning of the opening demo, and then I don't get to touch him at all in the rest of the beta. Fucking bullshit. Yeah. Yeah. Bullshit, Square Enix. I get it. Story-wise, you don't want to spoil it, but we know he's a character, so when I go do random online missions with everybody, you should make everybody playable. If you're trying to set the whole point of the beta is to let people try it and entice people to get in and buy the game you need to make everybody playable if i'm buying the game because i want to play as thor let me play as thor if i'm buying the game because i want to play as cap let me play as cap for more than 30 seconds again i get in story missions fine but as far as the the harm room stuff and the the uh uh, story missions once you unlock locations everyone should be playable yeah i felt in the uh even in the demo I think Cap got railroaded a little bit because you're you're very locked into a sequence that you need to complete. You don't get a chance to explore what little abilities you get to play with him, like you do with Thor. With Thor, you get to you get to kind of play with Thor for a little bit, and I really liked being able to throw the hammer and then hit two or three people on the recall. That is a mechanic that they straight up stole from the newest uh, God of War game. And I do not mean that as a critique or a criticism. I'm saying, thank God they stole that. That is the most (laughs) fun mechanic in the entire new God of War is you throw your axe and it's the same friggin' button. Even you hold R2 and it comes right back to your hand and you you throw it and miss somebody. You just realign your target and call it back to you and you hit them on the back. I did like that. That you had to hit a hit. I did like that you had to hit a button to get it to recall, and it wasn't just like once it reached the end, it automatically comes back. It, it yeah, it isn't like on an invisible there. bungee cord. Yeah, yeah. No, that's a, that's playing God of War. I was like, I want a Thor game with this exact mechanic. Well, now you got it. I I'm very playing as Thor was incredibly satisfying. I want more. You will um, get more. Uh it's not soon enough because it's not right now. Uh, but uh, everything I did get to play was fun. Uh, and yes, it did make me play some characters. I probably wouldn't have played as, as otherwise, um, Hulk wouldn't have been my go-to, but just by the only four characters we had to play as, and there were already two people with characters they already claimed. I was like, yeah, we'll give Hulk a try. And Hulk was fun. 
Um, Kamala Khan was fun. I, I, I wasn't bored playing with her. I don't know as much about that character, but but her skill set was interesting and visually interesting. Um, Black Widow is a badass. I didn't expect that. Uh, when we got done playing together, I played a bunch more as her just because her skill set was fun. Um, yeah, everyone seems to be fun to play with. So there's, there's, yeah. Yeah, with with uh, with with Black Widow, I really liked the uh, the dual pistol, infinite ammo, Laura Croft thing going on that she had there. Was... You do have to pause to reload every once in a while, but yeah. And then you can upgrade them later on from pistols to SMGs, and you can switch back and forth on the fly, which is fun. Oh, that's cool. I didn't get that far yeah. with it. That's cool. Yeah, and then certain uh, augments let you do like stun damage, uh, which <laughs> from game practicality is cool. Because, you know, you shoot, you just drain their health bar a little bit. You get stun damage, and it kind of stuns them a little bit. But you think it through, and hey, your bullet does stun damage now. Yep. Okay. I have to say, um, uh, one of my favorite things in in the beta that we played, uh, and it it made me fall in love with the fact that I can play Iron Man, was that one of his big hero abilities, you have to let it charge up, but when it does, Hulkbuster armor. Yes, because I love the Hulkbuster armor in the comics. Uh, I love the entire storyline, you know, in the comics where that came about. I loved what they did with it in uh, in the MCU uh, in uh, in Age of Ultron. That is one of my favorite fights of all time. Is is Hulk versus Hulkbuster? Mm-hmm. Even though they call it Veronica, which I still don't completely understand. Must be a reference to something I didn't read. I don't know, but anyway. Um, and something cool about Hulkbuster uh, that I don't think we discovered till later was when Iron Man calls Hulkbuster, he doesn't necessarily have to be the one inside Hulkbuster. Oh, really? So when when he calls it, the the animation is like a little platform shows up and below him, and then the pieces come onto him. So mm-hmm. if he summons it and then steps off, and somebody steps in, that person will take over the Hulkbuster armor before it okay. forms around him. Okay, I, I I didn't get that animation. The okay. animation the animation that I got when I called Hulkbuster was uh I hit the button mm-hmm. and he he went to one knee and he slams his fist down and, and that causes all characters around him to kind of like be blown away just a little bit just to kind of clear right. the field. Um and then he jumps up into the middle of the air and the Hulkbuster armor materializes around him. Below him, it made me sound actually. I never saw a platform. A platform below him on the ground is like a well, platform might be the wrong word. There's a circle. Okay. If you if if Iron Man leaves and someone else gets inside the circle, apparently you you can other players can. Use I'll, it. I'll have to try that next time because I, I didn't. Once I hit the buttons, I didn't think I had control over the character until the animation was done. We didn't know about it. Somebody messaged uh, or tweeted at uh, Ilphonic and said, or not Ilphonic, uh, Square Enix. Sorry, getting my games confused. <laughs> uh, at, at Square Enix and said, I don't know if this was intentional or not, but please don't change it. Uh, and they they replied back, Oh no, that was intentional. Okay, uh, next this coming weekend, I'm going to double check that. We'll, we'll we will, see how we that will definitely give it a run through. Anyway, sorry. Yeah, no, that's what it's all about. So yeah, we thoroughly enjoyed Marvel's The Avengers by Square Enix, or whatever the hell the full title of the game is called. The new Avengers game was fun. You've got two more weekends to try it out, beta, uh, before you, you go in to buy it. It comes out, I believe, September 4th. Um, I think we've all already pre-ordered. And can't wait to get our hands on the full game. 
uh, need to go in there and make a crust off work that day because I ain't doing shit until yeah. I get my hands on Thor again. Uh, but yeah, it's fun. Give it a try. It's free. Go on, make a Square Enix account, and try the game out for a few hours. You can waste your time on a lot worse things. So, anyway, hard transition. (sighs) Story I can't believe we're talking about. And a story that, even as a huge fan of this property, like this property is a, a, a big part of my childhood. I don't, I'm, I'm confused and intrigued by this story. And I'll get into why. <laughs> Fucking Knight Rider is making a comeback. There, It was announced this week that a, a I don't want to call it a reboot, a new Knight Rider movie is currently uh, under development by James Wan. Which is the only reason I'm holding out hope for this property. If you don't know the name, James Wan is the guy who behind the Conjuring series, Insidious, um, the first Saw movie, uh, Furious 7, and most recently Aquaman. Uh, He's transitioned from being a horror guy to an action guy. Uh, He's producing some kind of, I don't know if it's a reboot, a legacy sequel, a reboot cool, whatever you call it. Some kind of project based on the Knight Rider property. Um, that's pretty much all that was announced. So with that huge blank slate, Commander Scott, what do you want to see from a new Knight Rider movie? Well, I mean, I I love Knight Rider. Uh, I I grew up with the original Knight Rider uh, on television. In in fact, I can remember uh, the first episode of season four, um, when when Kit has his molecular bonded shell uh neutralized and he's dropped in acid and he's completely destroyed and i remember watching it with my parents and and you know it was devastated and everything kit was gone of course he gets rebuilt obviously because we have a whole season to get through um but when he gets rebuilt he has he has a new button there's a new button on the control panel it was a big white c uh big white button with a black c on it and uh uh all through the episode you know we were speculating what this C meant. So uh, I've loved it. Um, I loved the, the Knight Rider 2000 movie that came out. It was a TV movie that was a pilot for a series that never got picked up. Uh, and then you had team Knight Rider in the nineties, which is horrendous. God, it's horrible. I'll have and to take you, your word. And then you had the, the, the Knight Rider 2008 uh, series, which I liked overall. And I wish it had continued, but Knight Rider is not a property that that does reboots well at all. Yeah, uh, look, I love Knight Rider. I also watched Knight Rider as a kid. Uh, I had a, a uh, toy Trans Am that wasn't even a Knight Rider toy; it was just a random <laughs> Trans Am toy that was the Knight Rider. I couldn't. I- I had a Michael Knight action figure and I had this random all plastic Trans Am like toy car, not remotely to scale, but damn it if I didn't try to cram Michael Knight into that car to get it to work. And then I had a, a black Lamborghini that I made my mom buy because I thought being a dumb kid, I thought it was kid in pursuit <laughs> mode. I didn't know Lamborghini was a whole different car, uh, but that was my, uh, uh, my kid in hey, pursuit mode toy. I love the show. And I, I loved uh, the, the 
well, I don't say loved. I enjoyed the the backdoor pilot for was it Knight Rider two thousand. I remember being confused as to why Kit was red now, um, but it was a fun you know TV movie to get to watch. I didn't know Team Knight Rider was the thing until I was at Universal Studios and they had a bunch of the vehicles on the uh, the backlot tour and I was like, this is before the internet. Uh, so, you know, I didn't hear about it. And apparently none of my, my uh, station, my cable stations didn't carry it because it was a syndicated show. I was like, the hell's Team Knight Rider? Um, and then I was super pumped for the 2008 series because it was going to be a sequel series with the son of Michael Knight and the Hoff was coming back for a cameo. And I watched the TV movie pilot thing. I was like, all right, it's not bad. It's not great, but it's not bad. You can build off this. And then I just remember, I think it's the first or second episode of the series proper, where we spend almost half the runtime of the episode, kits on fire, driving back to base. And we spend like 10 or 15 minutes, kits on fire, driving back to base kids on fire driving and we get back to base and we got a fixed kit like we didn't leave the building the whole episode and i'm like uh guys you, you have a show centered on a car that can do cool things did you maybe take the car out of the garage maybe just a thought uh but that was well, pretty much they did tweak the show down the road i think after like the sixth episode they kind of retooled it going into uh the the rest of it to, to, to boost ratings and it didn't quite work yeah. but yeah i lost interest fast in that 2008 series See, I I watched the 2008 series all the way through when it was on the air, and I I loved it uh, overall. I was really uh, upset when it didn't get picked up for a second season, because while it's not perfect, it is a first season, and there's no such thing as a show that's perfect in its first season. Right. Um, You know? um, Except for Avatar The Last Airbender. Sure. I've been been watching a lot of that right now. Sorry. Um, But uh, now I will say... There were there were things that I really liked. Uh, I liked the the idea of the the original designer of the first kit, uh, basically pursuing his life's work and improving on it. Uh, I liked the nanite technology to make the car indestructible, versus the uh, the the super secret uber miracle chemical formula of the molecular bonded shell, which mm-hmm. worked for the worked in the eighties, but you mm-hmm. know, we're updating. One thing that Kit could do in this new movie or new series that I did not like was the fact that it could transform into a GMC truck. Yep. Thankfully, they they were on their way to phasing that out because they stopped using it uh, early in that season. And and you could tell they they, they probably was not going to make another appearance. Because I liked him being able to transform. I mean, Kit's always been able to transform. Uh, in in the fourth season of the original series, he got Super Pursuit mode, so we've had that. the The White Sea, which I uh, I mentioned earlier, was convertible mode Kit. Um, he's always been able to do weird things. There's one episode, but it was still built water. around yeah. a Trans Am chassis. It wasn't yeah, suddenly right. turning it, into a truck. Yeah, exactly. So I agree. Turning into a truck was a, was too much of a stretch. And if the series had continued, I was, I was really hoping they were dropping that. Um, but overall, and I mean, I think one thing that probably hurt it more than anything, actually, I'm, let me back this up. Okay. I think one of the reasons why the original Knight Rider worked for four seasons and it's had a hard time being rebooted or continued is twofold one kit was 
futuristic and revolutionary, you know, in the eighties, there was mm-hmm. nothing even remotely like it commercially, you know, uh, not commercially, but yeah, for private home u- user available. Yeah. Now technology is a lot more futuristic now. So it's very hard to get, you know, the vehicle even more futuristic than what we have. Not impossible, just difficult. And second, the performance of, uh, uh, crap, William Daniels, is that his name? Yep. The, the voice kit. Um, because he made him warm and personable. Um, his performance was exemplary. He played well with Michael, even though they never actually shared his screen time because, you know, William Daniels just comes in and records his lines. Um, but, uh, yeah, it was his performance, I think, that really nailed down the formula. Um, because even even though Val Kilmer, I think, did a really good job of Kit in the in the new the new or the two thousand eight. I keep wanting to call it the new series. Fuck, it was twelve the years newest ago now. Series, yeah, the, the, the latest series. Even though he did a fine job, his his Kit was cold, cold and cold. He he was Vulcan Kit. Yeah, uh, and uh, uh, whereas Kit in the other one was personable, he was warm. He had a sense of humor. Uh, in fact, there's there's even ones where he adopts different dialects he he speaks with new york accents he speaks with uh southern accents he you know he does all this stuff he, he seemed more alive he was he was a great foil for and this is this is the what i think made night rider the tv show work in the 80s was it was the duo it was a buddy cop duo just one of those duos happened to be a car michael and kit had great chemistry somehow even though it's a guy talking to a car with an actor coming in to voice the car after the episode is shot the two of them had a great back and forth kit would make fun of michael you know kit was superior intelligent but was a car you know so he's limited to what he can do he doesn't have the gut instincts that michael has so the two of them played well off of each other it was the good cop bad cop kind of thing the by the book cop the by the seat of your pants cop and like together they're unbeatable like that kind of dynamic which again shouldn't have worked the first time but did back in the 80s and i think that's a big thing you have to try to recapture if you're ever trying to do night rider again yeah uh, is you've got to somehow find that right chemistry again and hopefully they're just right now because michael daniels right now is 92 years old just get him in a sound booth and have him read the fucking dictionary <laughs> uh, because if you're getting in, in we'll get into this a little bit but you know what do we want to see out of a reboot my first and foremost thing is do not make it a reboot do not try to reboot the entire story of Knight Rider into a, a two-hour movie don't do that don't do that you've got a legacy sequel on your hands make it a legacy sequel even when they're bad they make more money than straight reboots do um, go to IMDB and, and check my facts if you think I'm wrong but even even when they're bad, legacy reboots tend to make more money. And that was, you know, a big mistake with the Ghostbusters 2016 is they tried to do a full-out reboot, not a legacy sequel. And people want to see those legacy characters. True. So make it a legacy thing. Make it, you know, whatever, 2025 or whenever the movie comes out. Uh, Flag still exists. That's the Foundation for Law and Government, which is who Michael and Kit worked for. It's the uh, Night Industries 2000 program still functioning this is the newest incarnation of it um but keep give hasselhoff a a nick fury-esque role of he's running flag now have a cameo from the original kit if you don't if not putting the original kit into the car uh 
cash in on the things people want to see. I'm not saying build your whole story around David Hasselhoff, but if you make a Knight Rider project and you don't put David Hasselhoff in it, people are going to be disappointed because those things are synonymous. So and the first other of big... all, sorry, with, with, with the exception of the David Hasselhoff and a Nick Fury-esque role, you realize you just described the entire plot of Knight Rider 2000, right? <laughs> yeah, I'm fine with that. Literally, you just said, hey, watch Knight Rider 2000. Make a higher budget version of that. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> don't make the well my other thing is don't make the car red my last thing is it's fucking night rider <laughs> that thing is synonymous with an 80s black trans am don't make kit another kind of car well don't don't make it a mustang or a pontiac, truck or a pontiac, motorcycle pontiac doesn't exist anymore you can't make it a trans am somebody owns the rights to that car i don't give a shit make it an 80s trans am make it night rider that that's true um i believe don't quote me on this, but I believe GM did actually buy the rights to Trans Am, but the one that they're building now is, it looks like a current Mustang, but it's got this weird Smokey and the Bandit Firebird thing painted yeah. all over it. Cool, so, I don't give a shit. Uh, 80, was it 82 Trans Am? I don't care. I don't care who has the rights, how much it costs, if you have to go buy it from some redneck out in Texas in his backyard, I don't care. If you're not going to do the 82 Trans Am, you're not doing Night Rider. Well, that, if you're that, not doing a 59 Caddy Ambulance, you're not doing the Ecto-1. Well, that, that's, certain cars, certain vehicles are synonymous with certain properties. If you're not doing that, that, that stupid, ridiculous two-tone black GMC van with the, the spoiler on the back, it's not the A-Team van. If you're going to buy this property and, re, and, and you know give it a fresh coat of paint because you think there's some mileage in it, you think you can rebrand it, cool. But certain things are synonymous with it. And, and I have a little bit of hope for that because in addition to all the fine movies James Wan has done, he's also an executive producer on the new MacGyver TV show, which I haven't watched any of. Uh, but not that MacGyver is, is synonymous with the car. But MacGyver was successful enough that we attempted a a magnum pi reboot and they were smart enough to keep the lamborghini in in the magnum pi like they realized oh that's the thing people expect from the original so like if we're trying to get people who are fans yeah, of the original show hard. certain things are expected i don't think it was a lamborghini in the original show whatever it was or is it, no, it was a ferrari ferrari that's what i meant i'm sorry um, I was thinking back to my pursuit mode kit toy. Sorry. <laughs> so first of all, yeah, kit is is synonymous with a with a black, somewhat sporty car, a little bit sportier than the Shelby GP GT that they that they they tried to pull off, which I liked though in 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 two thousand eight. So I don't think they're going to get a Firebird for whatever reason that that you know because once again Pontiac doesn't exist, and I don't think anybody else is going to going to go with it. So they're going to have to use something else. Um, uh, and also because I think the, the current one is being discontinued, but I'm not sure. Um, so it has to be, but personally, I think if you're wanting to bring it more futuristic, don't confine Kit to a car. Keep him primarily in a car. You got to have the car. I, I, I'm not saying that, but yeah, primarily he's in the car, but make him an AI that can move around. He can utilize the internet. He can go different places. He can give him even other vehicles. He could inhabit if he needed to like, Nope. Sparingly. Sparingly. Nope. But make him be able make him an artificial intelligence. They can, they, they, they can do things beyond the confinement of the car when he needs to. 
Then you're just making Ultron. Yeah, make Kit Ultron. That's what I want. Uh, don't don't make. I, I get what you're saying. Like you, you've got to push the boundaries to make Kit and the whole idea seem cool and futuristic for a 2020 whatever audience. I get that. But if you're gonna make Kit like an AI that can transfer himself through the internet, you're just making Ultron, and we've already seen that. Like Knight Rider well, is intrinsically built around a man in his car. I agree, and you keep that primary. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not suggesting that you know you see Kit in a helicopter every other episode or you know he's playing Airwolf. 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 My bad. Except for the fact that Airwolf didn't have an AI. It was just no, a, it's the Night AI. Wolf with a K. It's the <clears throat> Oh, I see. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. We can sell more toys that way. <laughs> hey, only if we can get uh what's his name back. The uh, I can't I can't Saint. Did he have a Saint in his name? I don't know. From Airwolf. Anyway. I'll take your word on it. Uh but yeah, like don't stray so far from the concept it's not Night Rider anymore and realize that for better or worse, Knight Rider is synonymous with certain things. And again, I don't, I, all I get Pontiac doesn't exist anymore. Fine. Somebody still owns the rights to that vehicle. Money will fix that problem. If you're not going to make it an 82 Trans Am, you're not doing Knight Rider. Enough other projects have come along the way and failed that I think that's a pretty well proven point. Like that car is synonymous with that title. And if you're not going to have the Cylon whoosh whoosh thing on the front, you're not doing Night Rider. Well, even even the 2008 had the uh, the, the whoosh whoosh in the front. Yeah, it was stupid. CGI in. It was CGI in. I agree. Use a practical effect on that. I agree. Yeah. Lazy. <sighs> but uh, no, again, the only reason I'm holding out hope for any of this is James Wan is producing it, and he's got a pretty good track record. Um. No other details really announced. Again, we don't know if this is a reboot, a uh, sequel, a legacy thing, whatever. I don't know. No word on any casting whatsoever or what the story is. Just James Wan is producing a Knight Rider movie. So, um, yeah. No, uh, uh, when I was looking into this uh, before you know coming on tonight, um, there was something that I found because I was looking at, at other Knight Rider reboots because that's mm-hmm. what you know kind of refresh myself and there was something that i found i'd never heard of before it was night rider 2016 and i'm like i don't know what this is so i started looking and everything first of all it's, it, it's a skit is what it is oh, and boy. you need to go you need to go check it out because okay. it is hilarious just go on youtube and type in night rider 2016 you'll find does it does it have the it, hoff it does not have the hoff okay, uh, so i'm already it, disinterested it, no 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 it's <laughs> it, it, it's like a four minute skit and it's it's just okay. funny as shit Okay. I also downloaded and watched a little bit, or I skimmed through uh, Knight Rider 2000, 2010. Oh, that has nothing to do with that. has nothing to do with, with actual Knight Rider. It, it has a car. <laughs> it's a Mad Max post-apocalyptic ripoff thing, yeah. Yeah. I'm like, okay. The this, car with miniguns, yep. This is weird, but okay. Yeah. No, uh, I forget what network that was on. Yeah, they suckered me into watching that when it first aired too, because it was like, "Oh, it's a new Night Rider thing." Because you put Night Rider in the title, and John Peacock will watch it at least one episode. Yeah, I didn't even know it was. I never heard of it until it you know, yesterday. 
I have a feeling that was one of those the script was written as something else and someone's like, call it Knight Rider, then people will watch it. This is true. It has fuck all to do with Knight Rider. <sighs> but uh, so there you go. There's our thoughts on the James Wan produced Knight Rider movie that may be happening. If it happens, I don't know. There's a lot of uh, question marks right here right now. I say we go for it. And since it's him, I say we cast Jason Momoa. All right. So five months from now, when they're announcing Jason Momoa <laughs> is starring in the new Knight Rider movie, you can say you heard it first here. So uh, any anything else you will have to get the chest about a Knight Rider reboot? Legacy sequel thing. Uh, I hope it's good. I hope it works. I doubt it will because they never have. <laughs> it was lightning in a bottle. Uh, and that's hard to recatch, man. But, yeah. Yeah. And what, what really throws me is when I first was, you know saw the headline, I was like, because again, they made a, a MacGyver, a new MacGyver TV show, a new Magnum PI TV show. Yeah. I was like, oh, they're going to make another Knight Rider TV show. Movie? What? That kind of threw me for a minute. Um, but I did learn something new. Uh, mm-hmm. Which was interesting when I was doing research for this because we're gonna we're gonna spin off this a little bit. So Knight Rider is getting a reboot. Uh, briefly, what other '80s properties should get a cool reboot? And while doing research into that, I learned. Uh, are you familiar with the name Stephen J. Cannell? I am not. Super famous producer from back in the '80s, uh, mostly a lot of hit TV shows. Uh, mm-hmm. But the entire catalog of work that he did is now owned by Disney. Uh, which means, uh, among other things, uh, the A Team, Knight Rider, um, Greatest American Hero, a bunch of other stuff are now owned by Disney. I think Knight Rider. Maybe I'm wrong about that. Let me look him up again. Um, but his entire body of work is now owned by Disney. Which okay. Uh, yeah. Let me pull up. Here you go. Stephen J. Cannell. Rockford Files, Greatest American Hero, Wise Guy, Silk Stockings, The A Team, The Commish. Hardcastle and McCormick. <laughs> Renegade for you 90s kids. Uh, Baba Black Sheep, Beretta, 21 Jump Street. Um, streaming through here. Yeah, yeah tons of... Uh, guy was a huge TV producer. He also made some movies. But uh, all his all his stuff is now... I, I liked a lot of those. Yeah. Uh, so, for doing Knight Rider... I'm going to go ahead and pitch this because it's a slam dunk because it's already been done before. Can we get a sequel to the AT movie? Oh, God. Oh, if they could get that cast back and actually do a sequel. By God, that would be awesome. Such a, so, such a great movie. So better than it deserved to be. Casting was just dead on. And some of those roles are hard to cast. Yes. Uh, but uh, I loved every minute of that movie. And it feels very much like a setup. And we never got the sequel. We um, didn't. Unfortunately, it just didn't. It had a hundred and ten million dollar budget and only made like a hundred and eighty million dollars worldwide. So it just didn't make money to financially bring in another one. That being said, I'm sure this guy signed for more than one movie, so they shouldn't cost an arm and a leg to get back. Give us a seventy five million dollar eighteen movie. If you can make Deadpool on sixty eight million dollars. You can crank out another awesome A-Team action movie. You don't need lots of dumb CGI for that. It's the A-Team. Um, but a great cast and really, really deserved a sequel. Yeah, that was a wonderful cast. It was beautiful. Um, I loved it all the way through. I, I did like what one thing that I have to give the 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 writers and director and, and, and really everybody credit for 
with that was that they gave us an origin story where the team meets, but then we don't dwell on that. That that's not the entire point of the movie. We we have the meeting in in I, I guess you could call that Act One for the for the movie, and then we flash forward. You know uh, what is it like? Was it ten years and so many successful missions later, and now they're the A team? Yeah, you're. It, yeah, it's not even Act One. It's like your James Bond opening prologue action. Yeah, they came together and we jump right off. Uh, like the opening credits are. Yeah, it's like ten years later, and and they're already a well oiled machine. So yeah, it gave us a how do these guys meet, and then but but that's not the story. The story is because again, if they'd stretched that out for the entire movie, it would have been boring. It would have been boring. The A team as the A team, and they gave us that. They did. So. They gave us it beautifully. Um, I mentioned earlier, but another property invented by Stephen J. Canal, which is now owned by Disney, which is just ripe for a reboot. Greatest American hero. Oh God, no! <laughs> now, don't get me wrong. Come don't get me wrong. Don't get me wrong with that. I love the Greatest American Hero. That was a wonderful show, but I firmly believe that that like Knight Rider, the Greatest American Hero was a lightning in the bottle kind of thing. Even though the character did have to have a name change because somebody tried to assassinate the President of the United States during its run, but. <laughs> And ruin that name for the show, but other than that, I, I think it was lightning in the bottle. I don't, I don't think you could ever reboot that. I, I don't know. I don't think the it concept work. is tailor made for a great Disney Plus series. It's a I guy agree. who gets an alien suit that gives him superpowers, but he loses or doesn't get the instruction manual, so he doesn't quite know how to use it. So it's a much more comedy bend on the superhero genre, which was ballsy back in the eighties because superhero yeah. stuff on TV didn't really work. You know, you had, you had 70s Spidey and, and Hulk and that was about it. Um, but yeah, great fun, quirky show that very much was restrained by a budget, but you give a few million bucks and do like an eight episode Disney plus series. That could work. Again, that core concept. Yeah. The core concept. transition. But the problem would be finding that cast. Who could front and anchor that story to make it work? And who would be his handler, you know, like the detective was that had good chemistry with him to, you know, because you got the you got him, the girlfriend and the handler. Uh, that trio has to work. That trio it's already has been to... done once. Chuck. His yeah, greatest yeah. American hero. Chuck, you are completely correct. Yeah, I agree with you. Yeah, Chuck is the greatest American hero. Different um, superpowers, same story. Different, different superpowers, same story. Uh, I never thought of it before you just said it, but you're <laughs> correct. <laughs> and we already know Chuck is great at playing superheroes. He's played two of them now. Yeah, and in fact, I tell you what, if you could get that core trio back, if you could get um, um, Adam uh, Baldwin. Adam Baldwin, uh, what's her name with the Russian, the Russian lady name that I can't remember that played Sarah, and uh, what Zachary Levy? Yep. Yeah, you could get those back. They could pull off the greatest American hero. I would watch that shit in a heartbeat. So it's doable. It is. In fact, you know what? Let's not even try to hide it. Let's just get the entire damn cast. <laughs> <laughs> and then in on the series finale, it's all a dream in Chuck's head. 
Exactly. He fell asleep in his Halloween costume, which happens to be the original Greatest American Hero costume. Fade to black. By God, I like it. Call us Disney. Work cheap. <laughs> uh, and then my last pitch, which it's never going to work, but goddamn, I'd watch it for an episode or two. One of my favorite properties from the 80s, which just goes to show how ballsy producers were back in the 80s that this got produced and made, went for several seasons because you'd never get this on TV now. The, the amazing story of one Gordon Shumway uh-huh. and the Tanner family. I want an ALF reboot. I don't even want a reboot. I want a legacy ALF sequel. Not that TV movie that was there, make good for not getting a series finale. I want to see ALF Moving in with the the uh, son or daughter, uh, it had to be the son because it's still the Tanners and his family now. And I want 2020 crazy Gordon Shumway shenanigans. Uh, yeah. yeah, that made for TV movie was horrible where he was in the military base. Yeah, which th- the whole thing exists because they never got to do a an actual. <clears throat> they weren't told their last season was the last season until after it was shot, and they were told, "No, no, no, we'll give you a TV movie or." they were going to give him another episode or something to wrap it all up. So they entered on this giant cliffhanger and took them like a decade or so to finally get that TV movie done just to finish off that story, yeah, which it was, it was only cool. mentions the Tanners like once. Yeah, no, I, I agree. Uh, Cause Alf was great. The cartoon was great. Um, but, um, and uh, Paul Fusco, the the voice for Alf, is, yes. is still around. So, yep. By God, I would love to see a a, a new Alf sequel. Um, I don't know. I don't know. How, I mean, you could write it any number of different ways, obviously. But yeah, having him move in with uh, the the son from uh, uh, the the first one um, would just be just be great. I would watch that in a heartbeat. Again, call us, whoever owns the rights to Alf. I don't know. I didn't look that up. Uh, but those are three ideas of uh, if we're going to start this whole. Because for a while back in the 90s, there was a whole thing of making movies out of TV shows. You had like uh, the Brady Bunch movie, the Beverly Hillbillies movie. Uh, they made a Starsky and Hutch movie, which was like a weird comedy thing. Like that was the thing for a while. It was like 70s TV shows getting weird 90s reboots. Um, but it reboots as comedies. That's what kept screwing me over. Yeah. And I think that's what, what messed up. The Brady Bunch, it worked because they kind of made fun of the Brady Bunch. It was high concept, yeah. Yeah. Um, and, uh, Starsky and Hutch, uh, I didn't care for, but I think I didn't care for it because it was it was Ben Stiller being Ben Stiller. And I don't I don't like it when Ben Stiller is Ben Stiller. That was, that was like early 2000s. So that was really, it was like, who was this made for? Um, because your your audience never watched the show, yeah, and right. uh, but they did the chips movie, and it really upset me because they went with the whole you know seventies TV show as a comedy thing. Whereas I think if you had done in that time, if you had done a chips reboot as somewhat of a serious kind of drama with some comedic elements in it, of course you had to, you had to have comedy around the edges, but you know as a serious you know successor to the show as a legacy sequel i think that would have worked very well we don't talk about the chips movie (laughs) that was one of my fondest shows from childhood because the main character's name was john and he was awesome and he was a cop 
And that was my sole aspiration as a child of a certain age was I want to be a cop because everybody cool on TV is a cop. Poncho's name was um, John as well. Shut your mouth, Poncho <laughs> bullshit. I love you, Larry Wilcox. You got done wrong. Um, yeah, uh, we're gonna talk about the Chips movie. It's a bad movie. Uh, but those are my off the top of my head. That might work. I don't know if you have any, Scott. Oh no. Um, okay. Cool. Yeah, not off the top of my head. Sorry. It's fine. We will move on to tonight's final topic. Um, so we'll let us know, guys. Uh, Night Rider, can it work? Is it just dumb? Should we just let it die? Should we just start running reruns of the original Night Rider? Uh, will it work without the Hoff? No. Uh, or what other shows did we not talk about that deserve a big budget remake? Comedy or otherwise? Um, let us know that. Uh, so we're going to jump to our final topic then. <sighs> Something near and dear to Scott and uh, something I've become a fan of because I'm a friend with Scott. And it's a requirement after a while. It um, is. Star Trek, as a franchise, is having a wild roller coaster of a few years here. Um, ups and downs. Movies being canceled. Potential projects popping up and, and deflating quickly. Yet, it seems to have maybe found a home back on TV where it all started. Uh, we're not talking about Picard. We're not talking about Discovery. We're not talking about any of the 8 million potential spinoffs yeah. currently in development. Uh, just this past week, the second, correct me if I'm wrong, second Star Trek animated series made its debut. Star Trek Lower Decks. Commander Scott, what did you think? Well, I've watched it twice now. And... My first gut reaction was Trekkies are going to hate this. Yeah. <laughs> With a passion. Because this is a phenomenal Orville cartoon. <laughs> um, that being said, I've watched it a second time. And I've also, I also watched, uh, so today I watched the... Uh, uh, the ready room episode with with uh, uh, Will Wheaton uh-huh. uh, uh, talk going over the first episode of Lower Decks, and I'm going to defend Lower Decks. Okay, and I know this is going to be a weird stance for Trekkies because, as far as I know, it's it's getting it's getting bad reviews. I don't think it's getting good reviews, um, but. You've got a Star Trek series that is animated and is somewhat poking fun at, at the extreme side, and at the less extreme side, exploring the lighter side of of Star Trek. And Trekkies are not known as the most tolerant bunch of fans. In fact, they're downright hateful. They're assholes. Um, I try to be a very open-minded fan. Uh, when it comes to any of my fandoms, partly because I like I like new material. I mean, mm-hmm. I'll go back and watch the original series. I'll watch Next Gen DS9. In fact, I just finished uh, the last episode of uh, Season 5 of Voyager today. But I always like new material. Uh, I, I like getting new stuff. Um, and it may not always be what you want, but it's what you've got. You either try to see it for what it is, or you just dislike it and don't watch it but 
so the, the, this series takes on a it, it it's it's following some young ensigns in the lower decks of the ships. In fact, they actually call them lower deckers. Um, and the the bridge crew is you know uh, this elitist group of well assholes is the way they're portrayed. Mm-hmm. Um, but keep in mind that this is the USS Cerritos. It is a California class starship. And it is one of the. It is not a frontline vessel. It is it it is one of the lesser known vessels. It it doesn't get important assignments. In fact, even in the the first episode, they you know they they go on about the fact that you know one of the most important things that a starship can do in in uh, in in the Star Trek universe for the Federation is is a first contact mission, which is first contact with a newly emergent warp capable society. Well, the USS Cerritos doesn't do those missions. Uh, it does second contact. Uh, uh, it, it is the ship that is dispatched to make sure all the paperwork is signed and they're spelling the name of the planet right and blah, 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 blah. There's some jokes that I did not like in it, of course. There's some jokes I did like, uh, like the, the the shot in the opening sequence of the starship flying by and there's this space monster suckling on one of the, the, the nacelles. That, 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 that made me chuckle a little bit. Let me pause you real quick. Yeah. Um, so, first of all, you talked about reception. Currently, the based on one episode, yes. uh, the series has a 66% Rotten Tomato score, 35% audience score, again, based on one episode. Um, and, and I'm with you. I, I, I'm, I think in general, again, based on one episode, it has an awesome concept. And we've talked about that briefly, I believe, in other episodes. But the 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 concept of following a crew but not the bridge crew is something we've never really done in Trek before. And is it a, an interesting way to come at the property of Trek from a new perspective? I think there's there's gold to be mined there. I don't know if this is the property that'll do it. But uh, what I did enjoy is, like you said, these are all people who um, do not they're not on the bridge. They're yeah. on the the lower decks doing the less important work, but again, it's all about finding a new perspective. And and what is the? Let me back up. The A plot in this story for this first episode is what the B plot would be in a regular Star Trek episode. Yes. And the A plot of this this uh, spoilers uh, uh, zombie disease taking over the ship and running rampant. What would be the A story in any other Trek series yeah. is the backup story yes. because they're not involved. Yeah. And and the fact that you have two two lower deck crew members who are continuing a date during the zombie apocalypse on yeah. board the ship. <laughs> Those are chuckle. like that was interesting. I like that. Um <clears throat> and the fact that, yeah, like you said in the in the opening, they're they're not afraid to poke fun at Trek a little bit. And to me, there's a fine line with that. When you're pointing out something in the Trek universe that's a little on the ridiculous side and kind of having fun with it, uh, my favorite line comes from uh, when they're on the planet and the main character gets hurt. I don't remember anyone's names, by the way. Uh, and someone says, you'll be fine. The dock will wave a light over it. <laughs> I had to pause. I was laughing so hard. Like, that's a perfect Star Trek trope of, no, we'll just wave a flashlight. Nay, hey, you're better now. Like, good now. that stuff made me laugh. Some of the jokes, especially the opening scene of this first episode, 
uh, my, my very first note while watching this during the, that opening pre-credit thing is why are you trying to be Rick and Morty? Yeah, uh, that 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 whole that whole thing with him in the closet and then yeah. her waving the batleth around and stuff was very. She's Rick literally drinking on screen, like yes. like yeah, drinking yeah. blue stuff just like Rick does. Yeah, yeah. Um, thankfully, they did drop that somewhat a little bit through it. It's still there, but not as prevalent. Yeah. Um, um, but my point for that being, when it comes from a natural place, when it comes from a hey. We realize Trek can be ridiculous, and we're going to poke a little fun at that. I'm all I'm all for that. I'm game for that, especially when it's like, like the you know in universe. If you're a fan, you'll get this joke kind of thing. Yeah. Um, what I'm not a fan of is the the tone of this doesn't fit Star Trek, and that that whole first segment didn't at all feel like Trek. That felt no. like they were trying to be poor man's Rick and Morty. Yeah. Now, as far as the tone is concerned there's there's one thing i'm going to that i want to address here because i know one of the um complaints that's going to be with with the 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 trekkies and with people who know trek is that well star starfleet officers don't act like this because the 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 bridge crew the first officer he's a complete asshole you know he talks down to to some of the people uh the uh i'm gonna give a spoiler here uh the the captain of the ship is is the main character's mother uh the main character was a higher ranking officer but she thumbs her nose at authority and she got demoted uh and everything so so now she's she's on the uh uh she she's in the lower deck she's back to an ensign which is where she kind of prefers to be uh the captain of the ship is her her mother her father is an admiral um and her mother wants to put her in the brig, but her father says you can't put her in the brig. She likes the brig. Uh, <laughs> so, um, but there's going to be people who are saying, oh, Starfleet officers don't act like this. Well, I'm, I'm going to bring up some stuff that, that maybe some people have forgotten. First of all, lest we forget, there was a character called Ensign Rowe who literally was, was, was taken out of prison uh, and 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 given a commission back of 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 uh, ensign, uh, and was assigned to the Enterprise, and Captain Picard did not want her. He actually tried to fight her posting to the Enterprise because of who she was and what she did, because she was a care an officer who thumbed her nose at the higher Starfleet authority, and she was demoted because of it. So this is a character we've already seen before. Um. So this is not unprecedented in Trek. Uh, also want to point out the fact that uh, um, when Barkley first shows up on Next Generation, uh, LaForge doesn't want him. He, he thinks he's someone incompetent, he's antisocial, and, and LaForge wants to trans, tran, uh, transfer him because he doesn't fit in with us. He's not enterprise material. And if that's not elitist, I don't know what is. Uh, and, and then in a later Barkley episode... Um, uh, uh, Ensign Crusher starts calling him Mr. Broccoli, <laughs> making fun of him behind his back. So you can't tell me that there are not assholes in Star Trek. There are assholes all over Star Trek. Yeah. There are still humans. They're still human. Um, this just has a bunch of them in in one ship, um, because the enterprise was the flagship of the fleet. It's the, the, the elite of the elite, the creme de la creme of Starfleet. This is the USS Ceratos. This is, this is, this is a, 
This is this is the like bottom dregs of Starfleet officers. This is people who have been in service. Yeah, okay, we got to give you a ship, or we got to give you make a commander. Uh, go over here and play, you know. So, yeah, all this stuff. I agree, it's to the extreme, but it's not unprecedented in Star Trek. You have assholes. You have people who aren't nice. Uh, you have people that don't like Starfleet. Uh, Commander Eddington in Deep, Deep Space Nine, he sided with the Maquis. He completely left Starfleet. Uh, in fact, you had the Maquis. You had a whole slew of Starfleet officers who were disillusioned with the Federation decided to go off on their own. Um, none yeah. of this is unprecedented. It's taken to a comedic extreme, but it's not unprecedented. So no. I'm... Uh... I found it again. I think it's an interesting concept. I, I love the I, the general idea behind the show of the junior officers on the ship. This isn't the bridge crew. This is the guys that do all the cleanup work on the ship that does the cleanup work. I yeah. love everything that gave us a glimpse of what is life like on a starship when they're taking the uh, the new um, uh, doctor. The, I forget the the Orion girl uh, again. I don't remember anyone's oh, yeah. name. Uh, when they're taking her around, showing her in the ship, and then you know, they, yeah, we live here in a hallway uh, where it's just like a hallway lined with bunk beds. Like, <laughs> we're right here by the shower room. Like, stuff like that I thought was kind of funny because it's, again, the practicality of there's this many people on a ship this size. We're not all going to have nice, cool state rooms like, you know, we see on the show. Uh, it's not that big of a ship. Stuff like that uh, I thought was cool. Um, the fact that they aren't getting the frontline missions, like you said, they're, they're getting the second contact. Yeah. Um, Stuff like that is, again, if you think it through in the world of Trek, all this stuff would have to be happening somewhere. <clears throat> it's still the world and the universe of Trek, but it's a, coming at it from a different point of view. And that, I think, is a great idea. It's it's something we haven't seen a lot of before. I think there's legs there. I think this first season is going to be a lot of tonal shifts because this episode has a lot of tonal shifts in it. Um, and I'm curious how we'll play that out. If it'll get a second season, will we kind of find our legs along the way? Because that's a Star Trek thing is to kind of start out on not so great ground and, you know, find your way as a show along the way. I mean, there's plenty, yeah. you know, uh, Next Gen doesn't really become like that iconic Next Gen until, well, like season three, season four-ish. Three. Um, yeah. Even Enterprise, my favorite show, has a rocky first season. Um, but we'll see. Interested to see where it goes. It's just, I think it's, like you yeah. said, it's got a very there's a lot of things Trek fans are not gonna like because this is the show that I think they're trying to use to bring in non fans, where it kind of makes fun of itself and the world of Trek a bit. I think that's their way of trying to get into people who have always kind of thumbed their nose or, or felt that Trek thumbed their nose at them because Trek is like the highbrow sci fi and this is their way of being like, Yeah, we're not that yeah. highbrow. Um Well I mean you know, a lot of people may not realize this, but back in like the the seventies, um, there used to be a lot of science fiction conventions that happened across the country. Um, you know, things where they had people like Isaac Asimov and authors and stuff there. And when Star Trek fans started showing up to those conventions in the seventies, they were looked down upon because Star Trek was not considered good sci fi. In any shape, form, or fashion, it was considered pedantic, um, obtuse, even uh, shallow and pedantic. 
<laughs> but uh, uh, yeah. some things that I liked in this in this was I like the engineer because I like the fact that he has a cybernetic implant, though we haven't found out exactly why he has a cybernetic implant yet. But I like the fact that apparently it has something to do with Vulcan technology because it keeps malfunctioning and suppressing his emotions when he doesn't want it to. I love the idea of he's a cyborg, but it's new. Yeah. So he's still getting used to his implant. That's it. Again, we've seen lots of you know weird cybernetic stuff in, in Trek, but this is someone who like, this is brand new. And I'm still figuring, like again, cool way to come at a Trek concept from a new angle, I think. Yeah. Uh, I think there's a lot of stuff here that could be good. Uh, like you said, I think it's just, it's got to have time to find its voice. You cannot condemn something on one episode alone. No. Y- you can't. Um, I do have a Trek practicality question for you, though. Sure, go ahead. When in Trek is this supposed to be set? Because the uniforms are different. The ship design could be from pretty much any era, but the con like screens look very next gen. I'm confused. So as far as I know, um, this is set, I believe, in 2380, uh, which is just after the next generation. Okay. Um, Give me just a second, and I will confirm that. But I believe so. It's it's literally just a few years after Next Gen ends. Okay. Um, because the phasers look next gen, and the the monitor yes. stuff look next gen. Yes. Well, in fact, uh, it's it's funny you bring that up okay. because so the graphics for the Next Generation, uh, as far as that iconic look, so that that look is is affectionately known as L cars. Okay. Okay. L-C-A-R-S. It stands for Library, Computer, and Retrieval System. Okay? Okay. Um, and it was designed by uh, Michael Okuda. And uh, a, a lot of other stuff, not not the displays, but a lot of the other aesthetics of Next Generation was, was the result of, or thanks to his wife, Denise Okuda. Uh, if you ever get a chance... Uh, there's a good interview with with them and denise actually tells about how she met michael and how they got involved in track it's actually a really good story but uh lower decks actually has michael and denise okuda as you know that they, they, they work on the production to, oh. to to get the look right um and uh so so everything that they have is very steeped in next gen um uh all the sounds uh, are next gen. Uh, the phasers are next gen. Tricorders next gen. L cars next gen. Even if you look at the the, the panels uh, of the walls of the ship itself, uh, it's 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 L cars. They they incorporated that into that of just for a little bit more of an aesthetic. But yeah, all that is done on purpose uh, because it, it it's it's right there on the heels of when next gen. Uh, occurs well thank you i knew you were the guy that cleared it up for me this is animated so i didn't know like is this set during a certain time period or is this like because it's an animated show we're just going for an amalgam kind of look of everything or it's set during an actual time period as far as i know um um uh it is in the prime timeline yeah, whatever that means. I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, so this is set in 2380. <laughs> okay. Um, and I believe 
So it's either just after season seven of Next Gen or it's just after um, uh, <laughs> Nemesis. Okay. I'm trying to remember. Uh, Close enough. You gave I, me a ballpark. I, 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 I didn't. Ha- I didn't have my uh, my my timelines uh, pinpointed before we started this. I'm sorry. It's okay. I it's good enough for Federation you. work. Heyo. Oh. Um. My one last snipe of it. Uh, again, and I, I think throughout this season they're going to have a lot of an, interesting shifts in tone because there's like the natural humor that comes from a Trek episode where they're they're happy to point out. Again, my, my go-to example is this. You'll be fine. Dock away the light over. That yeah. line got me. I loved it. But then like at the end of the show, one of the characters just literally just starts name dropping people. Yeah. Like, oh, Kurt, did you know about Kurt Spock? He came back from the... It's like literally like just starts name dropping everybody from Star Trek. Yeah. And I'm like, uh... Like, like Gary Mitchell, I- I'm sure I could look him up. <laughs> no, it's it's it, it it seems so unnatural. Like the show just did it to get a cheap like bump from the fans. And hey, look, we talked about Spock. Hey, look, like, yeah, but okay, Spock, fine, because he's like you know Vulcan and lives forever. But they name drop Kirk, and then again, I didn't know what time it was supposed to be in because I think they dropped Picard's name all in, like a span of like sixty seconds. They're dropping all these names, and I'm like, wait, what? Like that felt kind of cheap. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see how they ride that that humor for the masses and humor from the ridiculousness of Trek. Um, that's going to be a fine line to walk. I'm anxious to see how this first season plays out to to see if they can get their legs under them uh, enough and survive the the horrific onslaught that is Trekkies. Yeah. Yep. Well, I think we're both in the same category of we don't hate it. We're not in love with it. We're going to let it see where it goes. Definitely wanting to see the the, the next episode. I want to see more. Well, there Uh, you go. Especially when you have a tactical officer that's literally just, can I shoot them? Can I shoot their warp core? Let me shoot them. Defensive batter Sulu Alpha. (laughs) That also got me. That that, That is me. Anytime we're playing a bridge crew, what was that? You want me to shoot it? Okay, I'm going to shoot it. Uh, yeah, yeah. No, again, like there's plenty of, of humor to be drawn from the world of Trek without, like, I don't say breaking the fourth wall, but, but without betraying like the tone of Trek, if that makes sense. Um, but that's going to be a fine line to walk uh, and to get like the writers all on board with that tone of of what is a within the world of Trek joke and what is a, that isn't really a Trek joke. Like the I'm drunk off Romulan ale and I stabbed you with a bat left. That's not, that's a Rick and Morty joke. It's yeah. not so much a Star Trek joke. Yeah. And uh, that actually kind of, you know, got me a little bit because she, she doesn't call it Romulan ale. She calls it Romulan whiskey. Yeah. Sorry. My bad. And I'm like, I'm like, it's, 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 it's not a whiskey. I mean, I'm, we've never seen Romulan whiskey, so it could be blue. I'm not saying it can't, but it, it's it's an ale. Ale. Uh, oh, and then uh, as with every property, it gets a half star deduction for not having. Let's see if you can guess. What's it missing? Andorians. Andorians. Oh, Andorians. Okay. Automatic half star deduction for oh, no Andorians. Speaking yep. of, did did you watch? Did you watch the the Ready Room episode? No. So. 
at the end of the ready room episode, uh, they have a, a sneak preview for, for this week's episode. Mm-hmm. And there's a scene where the captain is walking down the hall. She's walking down one of the corridors with somebody else. And she's, she's talking and she says, I, I need to have some kind of a cool catchphrase I can say when we go to warp, like warp it or something. Uh, what do you think about that? <laughs> Again, that's what I'm talking about. Uh, perfect in-universe joke that this, the Trek fans will get and laugh at, but it doesn't like bend over backwards. It doesn't feel out of place. That's perfect. It was. It was so, very good. Let us know what did you think about the first episode of Lower Decks, and believe me, when when I think when season one is done, we'll we'll come back around and do a how did it go first season kind of breakdown. Um, but we're 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 intrigued and entertained at this point, and we'll see where it goes. Very true. And with that, we are out of topics for today. So thank you, Commander Scott. Thank you, sir. Scott, for sticking with me through some technical difficulties. Thank you, audience, for tuning in and finding uh, your weekly nerd alert. We'll catch you next week.